Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the All Dead Jazz Podcast. I'm your host, Matias, and today I have with me my friend, Nicolas Rodriguez from Chile, and we're going to talk about his spiritual journey, listening to metal music, his various addictions from poker to pornography and prostitutes. Ooh, many different things we're going to talk about his spiritual experiences in Jerusalem. We're going to talk about the usefulness of muscle testing or muscle checking, as Jerry Templitz calls it. We're going to talk about the miracle uh, in Peru when he prayed for a miracle. He got a miracle. And we're going to talk about Plato, Lauren Stern, uh, quote-unquote summer book camp. We're going to talk about reading physical books versus digital books. His friends, Isidora's advice to him that... uh, about painting that really paid off recently. We're gonna talk about 10,000 hours, manifesting excellence, and Tinder, how he promotes his paintings to Tinder. This and much more in today's podcast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the new episode of All the Jazz. I'm your host, Matias, and I have with me my friend, Nicolas Rodriguez. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matias. Hi, everyone. <laughs> so um, um, I've known you for a while. Uh, we've been in the same uh, Skype group and all that, but uh, recently you've uh, started painting and that I found uh, infinitely fascinating. And uh, there was a lot of great slash funny comments that people get that you get when there's like naked like paintings and all that and (laughs) it's so fun but our primary connection is um let's start from the beginning the the spiritual journey so uh we share in common as well dr david hawkins uh, our teacher um so um let's start a few years ago before you were spiritual so uh what was happening in your life then um before I was spiritual, I was a pretty common person. I mean, I, I went to school. Well, I was pretty, a pretty dark person, uh, actually. Um, I used to listen to heavy metal. I had a like, heavy metal rock band. I played the guitar. And um, I wasn't very good at school. I was pretty lazy. I had like, good grades for one that's lazy, but I... Um, so after preparing the, the some tests, I entered med school and I became pretty, I wouldn't say I was a full atheist, but I was really um, not concerned with the topic of God in general. Right. It so wasn't my, on my mind. If, you didn't care if there was a God or not. You're just like, uh, it wasn't your concern. Yeah, absolutely. I was pretty like mundane and uh, I was much more concerned with money, um, prestige, um, developing a good career. Yeah, those were like science, science mainly. Yeah. So I entered med school and uh, in, in there, I'm, I was pretty, as I say, mundane. And I started developing a huge like um, pride and in the both good and bad way um about um science in in general like i I would think it is like the biggest thing there's on earth right it's the best nothing yeah science right right yeah yeah and and so then um uh, i assume you ran into some trouble yeah yeah (laughs) i ran into many troubles yeah well starting pretty early in life like when i was in high school I became addicted to like sexual stuff on the internet and I developed many addictions. Uh, I developed addictions to alcohol. Um, I had like a psychological addiction to weed, marijuana. Oh, wow. Melly. And yeah, I was pretty, I had pretty like addictive character, uh, personality. Yeah. So people, some people say that uh, uh, weed or marijuana is not addictive. So, but you would say for you, it definitely was. I would say it was psychologically addicting. Like the, the whole lifestyle of 
listen to reggae music and smoking weed every day and doing mainly nothing during the day except being high. Right. It was just like uh, addictive to the lifestyle, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and then it, I assume it got progressively worse as it went on and on and on. Yeah, I mean, um, at first it was pretty bad from the beginning. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I, I went uh, into it pretty hard from the beginning when I was 14 years old and I started developing all these kinds of addictions. And um, then I had a huge break thanks to a spiritual experience when I was in med school. Mm. And after that, I went to the tubes, into the tubes, down to tubes. And um, it became really worse, like really bad. Right. So, um, but the, it's like the spiritual experience saved you. So what happened during the spiritual experience? Yeah. So I was in med school. I was in third year. And um, it was like June of that year. The whole spiritual experience lasted for like uh, three months. It was from June till mid-September of that year. It was 2011. Um, and I, I, I remember I, I was studying for a medical school exam and I was reading and my mind became progressively louder and full of thoughts and I, I could hear all this noise inside of me and it became um, like uh, more intense and more intense and more intense and then you reached like a peak and I felt like um, when someone pulls a string and sounds like dong, yeah. like that. And suddenly my mind became silent, like absolutely silent, no thoughts at all. And I remember th being quite in disbelief because it was like, whoa, man, this is amazing. And that started a journey that, um, well, just after this, some days later, I went to Jerusalem and I did the whole like um, holy trip, could you say? Like I went to the stations of the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. I was in Bethlehem. I was where Jesus was born. And that was pretty like a powerful experience. And after that, the experience became progressively better and better. I feel like I was racing in my level of consciousness as the experience moved forward. And I remember, for example, like um, I, I would hold a thought in mind. I would hold something in mind and it would manifest like pretty quickly. It was really cool. And I felt like a progressive joy and a progressive, like exquisite energy uh, feeling I had in my body. Like I would feel like this really exquisite energy that would energize me and I would like do a lot of stuff uh, during the day, like activities like going on my bike, uh, doing sports, studying. And I was progressively becoming more like functional in the world. And um, at the peak of it, like in, in September, I felt like this intense energy that like nothing would surpass it. Like external events were like peripheral. Like they were like really like something that wasn't connected with this energy. Mm. And uh, I remember one day I was walking to my home and I would see, I, I saw some plants and they would like radiate this exquisite and beautiful energy. And they were like radiant, effervescent and full of life. And the vision was so exquisite that I, I couldn't stand straight. It was like, oh my God, I felt like uh, something knocked me up. Like I, I couldn't stand straight. And then I remember this energy stayed with me for like um, the whole day. And I was at night in my bed and I would feel so good. And it was such a nonlinear space. Like there wasn't limits. Like right now I feel like there's some limits to my mind and to my body. Right. But I felt in such a nonlinear space, like without like the space. And I would feel like expansive and the energy was so good. And I, I remember thinking, I could die and I wouldn't even care. Like <laughs> I could die and I wouldn't even care. And that's when this experience ended. And um, it was very intense, very like intimate, like a, a, an intimate connection. And at the time I couldn't like, I didn't knew a context where I could like hold it and understand it. 
right. I just experienced it. Which you know? year was this? Do you remember? Yeah, 2011. Yeah. 2011. Wow. Uh huh. Okay, so that's the year where, um, roughly where Doc did the last lecture in September of 2011, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. Uh -huh. So, um, so that must have been. I don't think I've ever had an experience like that, but um, but it sounds like to me it was like almost like um, almost like karmically ordained that you had an experience. What what's your feel on that? Like, because obviously you were living your life in a way that was uh, uh, maybe you could say not aligned to with God, and then still you have a spiritual experience. What do you attribute that to? My, I think my intuition tells me uh, it was like um, the consequence of previous lifetimes and previous spiritual work in other lifetimes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So That's this, the only way I can explain it because, yeah. yeah. Because you weren't doing anything. You weren't doing any meditation. You weren't doing any praying. You were just Nothing. doing intense studying, basically. Maybe that's yeah, a, that was I, a part I, of it, though. Yeah, basically in the 400s, doing intellectual work. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But and medical school was very intense, though. You were... Yeah, it was pretty intense, yeah. Right, so you I had remember, to study all days, right? Yeah, yeah, every day. Every day you have to study, and it's pretty rough. And it became, like, harder and harder every year. Like, some people talk you need to have, like, that fire in the belly to, to get through medical school. And I think that's correct, you know? Right. So it almost sounds like uh, it's a very intense spiritual, it's not a spiritual spirit, but it's a very intense experience too. Because I, I think Doc did medical school, school as well. And he said, uh, yeah. you have to be really, really committed. Otherwise, it, it's impossible. And uh, yeah. he would go to sleep really late and then wake up early and, uh, you know, all that. Yeah. But he even had a job as well. And uh, wow, this just. It's just, yeah, mind blowing. Uh, that's a lot of work. Okay, so yeah. after that experience, um, uh, what happens then? I went basically down the tubes. I started like I felt like I was abandoned by this energy. That afterwards, uh, afterwards, I I attributed it to God, and I just wanted to came back to it because the space was so good. Like the joy was so intense that. I went down to tubes because I became progressively worse uh, in my alcoholism. I became, and I started drinking more. I started watching more porn. I then started hiring uh, prostitutes and I would party like many days a week. And as you can see, after like this experience, I, I went down to tubes and really what, what like, um, this cause was that I couldn't stay any longer in medical school. So I left, I dropped out and um, I kept searching for something. But at the same time, I, I was like very intensely addicted to many substances and behaviors. And um, I remember that I started reading like spiritual literature. Well, spiritual. I started with, <laughs> I started, you know, with like the fallen gurus and stuff i started with osho and with deepak chopra and that kind of people and i remember also i was very into like seduction and masculinity and showing how much of a man you are and i was reading an article saying the nine most most powerful books men can read and in that list there was power versus force mm. and i said okay i'm going to order these books and I ordered Power Business Force, and when it came here to Chile uh, from Amazon, I opened the book, I started reading the preface, and I, I remember the exact moment I was like lying, lying like um, in a mat, and I was smoking a cigarette, and I actually felt like a physiological change while reading it. And it was like, wow, because the preface talks about like, um, you can see if this person is like a good romantic interest, but you can take it further. Like, is this a good investment? This company is over 200, like all the money and the fact that you can know everything in the universe 
in a matter of seconds. And that, that really hit me, like that changed, changed me. And I said, like, this is it, like, wow, this, I want to read more of this. Right. And as I would read, uh, I became like a, a dog student in the sense that I started to study his work, but um, I was getting also progressively worse in alcoholism and my bad behaviors. Right. And I couldn't stop reading, but I also couldn't stop drinking and couldn't stop like doing my bad behaviors. And um, what happened after the spiritual experience that I found spirituality and I sensed like this could bring me back like the the previous spiritual experience. This was in 2011, but I still striving to get there. Right. Hey, you ever seen that movie? Um, what's that movie where, where Shangri-La is in the movie? I think- uh, Yeah, Shangri-La. Lost Horizon, right? Lost Horizon, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's a Frank Capra movie. Anyway, so in Shangri-La, mm -hmm. what happens uh, for those who haven't seen it, uh, uh, they find this place called Shangri-La and everything's uh, really amazing, really awesome. And then somehow they lost it. And then the main character, I think, uh, tries his whole life to, to get back to that space. And it sounds to me like a little bit that you were trying, even though you're trying to that addiction and to all that stuff, you're trying to get back to that place where you were in the summer of 2011, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you're still trying to get back, basically. You're still trying yeah, to... Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's like, um, I feel like I, I won't be happy, not happy, I won't be satisfied until I achieve it, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Did, it's... did you have any trouble with the um, uh, muscle checking or muscle testing? Um, some people have trouble uh, accepting it, but you, you saw right away the potential that it could be just transformative. You were just like amazed yeah yeah i mean um i don't have any troubles i have a lot of faith in it and the results are showing me like daily that it works i'm actually using it for my daily life and it's pretty good because for example the other day my intuition my emotions everything was telling me this wasn't a good idea and i calibrated something and i get a true result so i should do it and okay, I did it. And after the experience, it was everything it was okay. So everything turned out good. And I was like, wow. So this really like truth versus like emotions, facts, like sentimentality. Right. So, but so because sometimes it's not intuition, sometimes it's just fear or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. hard to distinguish. Yeah. I and the thing people, I think a lot of people have trouble with, with muscle testing is being objective. So obviously, if you're going to calibrate um, political figures, uh, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, uh, whoever, AOC, you might find it hard because you have an emotional investment. So I yeah. think what I would recommend people that are new to Doc's work is, is uh, try it on things that don't have such a high importance on you, but still, I, but I think uh, it's important to ask also permission, right? Because you don't want to just yeah, just do it without permission. And um, uh, so, how does that look like when you when you try try to test it for yourself? I'm curious. Okay, yeah. So in the overall context, I try to ask for questions that I don't have a really high attachment. Like, I wouldn't calibrate uh, Donald Trump or Joe Biden because. In my mind, it's difficult to stay detached, for example, especially with Joe Biden. And what I would do is, uh, I would say, in the name of the highest good, do I have permission to ask this? And then I would carry kind of resist. Okay, do so just that, no. What do you do, like this or? Uh... O-ring, O-ring method. Oh, O-ring, okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then I would ask, in the name of the highest good, um, in a scale of consciousness that goes from one to a thousand, six hundred being alignment, um, in the context, in the in the context of absolute truth, does this? And I asked the question. So I you, you're translating from Spanish because you do it in Spanish, right? Yeah, yeah. I just, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you are uh, for the audience that doesn't know. Uh, 
you are Nicolas Rodriguez. He's from Chile. So if the yeah. name doesn't give it away, he's from Chile, right? So, uh, okay, there's different methods, obviously. And, and it's not like one is um, absolutely right. Uh, there's the O-ring method, which uh, you described. I think, I believe it's something like this, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do that. This, yeah. So yeah, demonstrate how how does it look like? Because so, so I, I would do it like this yeah. with my pinky finger and my thumb. Yeah, and I would use actually this finger because uh, I I think the problem is if you use these fingers, it's difficult to notice the the strength difference. But the, with this one, it's easier. But I would use this one and pull. And I would say resist and pull rapidly, like dogs say. It must be quick. You know, and not much force. I try to use not much strength in it. But, right. well, sometimes I use, sometimes I don't. I know I will get some positives, like false positives and false negatives because of I'm not perfect, you know. But uh, I found that this method is working right now for me. And the other one is the pendulum, where you use your body. Uh, and if it's true, you go forward. And if it's false, you go backwards. Right, so you stand up, and then if you go forward, yeah. then yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that one is a very good one. Also, I think the doc also recommended, uh, Dr. Hawkins recommended that you, I don't know, get a stack of books and it's yeah. the same stack of books, and then you lift them. And yeah. uh, if it's if something is true, then it'll be easier to lift those books, and if something is false, then it'll be harder to lift those books, exactly. Um, yeah. So, um, but I don't recommend that that weight be too much. You don't want to strain yourself too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and earlier you're talking about, uh, that you were into other books that were not quite spiritual. So, um, like give, give me an idea. Yeah. Um, oh, you mean like, um, bef when I started reading spiritual books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, following gurus, yeah, like Osho. Um, he would say, like, you have to be careful with Jesus, and he would speak bad about Jesus. Like, that's something I wouldn't expect for from a spiritual teacher, no matter what his denomination is. Right. Um, uh, yeah, I saw him once say about Mother Teresa that she should jump into a lake. Wow. Yeah. I, I, no, the guy was really... And there was also a story where he goes, I think this guy got like 50 Mustangs or something like that, or yeah. Rolls Royce. I don't know yeah, which Rolls brand, Royce. but yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> he, he will tell a story where he was in this car and he would just put the, the, the foot on the pedal of the gas and he would go like to stupid speeds because according to him, if he was going, he wouldn't care because if he would die, he died. And if he don't, he doesn't. But I feel like the context, it's a, a whole one of like temerarity, like um, not courage. It's and, and not like karmic uh, disposition, but something like um, like it's pretty uh, stupid. Uh, recklessness or extreme sport. Recklessness. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Right, right. And that's not something that's not something that uh, doc would encourage he would encourage he encouraged responsibility um kindness yeah. things like that not you know go go as fast as you can and see if you can uh, i mean what is that <laughs> well but, yeah in fact dr hawkins recommended like not pushing your luck like not pushing it yeah i think there, there's a doc video that says uh your life is like uh let's use this there's like a vase so you wouldn't put it uh, where the wind could blow it over. You put it where, you know, in a safe space, you know, you wouldn't, you know, yeah, play exactly. around with it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so then you, you discover uh, Dr. Hoggins work and you start going to uh, power versus force. And then what do you do? Uh, I, I kept reading uh, his other books and um, Eye of the Eye, the Eye, um, Letting Go, etc. And then I discovered that he did lectures. And some of them, I think the ones from 2002 and 2000 and something, weren't the Pirate Bay for free. <laughs> there was, right. like, there was a, a bunch of it. Uh, yeah, I downloaded them. Um, 
that wasn't very karmically correct, but I started hearing them and watching them. And I, and I remember like, this guy is awesome. Like his sense of humor was like out of this world. I, I mean, this guy would make jokes that m would make like uh, comedians blush. <laughs> He's right. like really um, non-attached and he really didn't care about, uh, I don't know, like the, the approval of others. And that attracted me a lot. And I kept doing my addictive habits. And in his books, he recommends spiritual groups and to stay in holy company. You know, like if you stay in holy company, you you'll get an energy you wouldn't get otherwise. And I say, okay, I think I'll do this. And like five months after taking the decision to join spiritual groups, I hit a bottom. Like I stole a credit card and I went to a whorehouse and uh, I spent like 10 case, like $10,000 a night. And like half of them were like stolen from, from the credit card. And I'm still paying it. <laughs> I'm wow. still paying it. But yeah, it was like, uh, how would say? The funny thing is the same day I did that was the day I, I finished the Course of Miracle textbook. It was pretty weird. And, um, but I got a pretty big lesson and I tell this with a purpose because even when I was there, I felt like uh, I wasn't in danger. Like it was something I needed to go through no matter how much anxiety producing it was to, to realize the truth that I couldn't do it alone. And after that, I joined the groups and my life has been going well since then. Yeah. You joined the, the 12 step groups, right? I joined the yeah, spiritual community. Yeah. yeah. And of course in miracles group okay. and dog flock and many groups. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, how did the so I was very surprised when we and when we talked before because you told me that you were not painting before and this is something that happened later. So what happened? How did you? Is this like a divine given talent? What happened? Oh yeah. So I always like from this like my whole hitting bottom happened in 2016. And um, I wanted to paint since 2015, but it just wouldn't come up to me. It just wouldn't go up. And after I joined the groups, I started playing poker because I wanted to become a professional poker player, like poker stars, etc. I, I had the same for a while, yeah, yeah, years ago. Uh -huh, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, so I did it for some months. I went to a school, like they were forming professional players. And after some months, I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I read like gambling is non-integrous, like non-integrous. Yeah. 180. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I left it and I, I realized I was changing one addiction for other, for another. Right. I was changing alcohol, pornography, etc., for, for gambling. And I said, okay, now I'm desperate. I don't know what to do with my life. I was some months over, like I had like three months of sobriety, total sobriety. And I went to Peru because my family wanted to go to Lima, which is the capital. And like some days after our trip, there was a festival called the Festival of the Lord of the Miracles. Um, there's a wall and there's a painting of Jesus. And it's very old. It's like from 17th century, something like that. And people have been praying there and they've been getting like uh, spontaneous recoveries, recoveries from fatal illnesses, etc. So after, of course, I did a course in miracles, I started to believe in miracles. And I said, okay, I'm going to stay some, some more days here in Lima and I will go to the festival and ask for a miracle. So I went to the festival and I saw the wall and I asked for a miracle and something really like cool happened because I felt like a claw that was going through me, like from my back to my chest, uh, was being taken away and I was free of something. It was like almost I was free of the hand of Satan or something. Wow. And after that, when I returned to Chile, some days after, I was in a painting class 
because I, I got subscribed to it. And I remember I was doing a portrait and I was putting some brush strokes and I thought, man, I could do this my whole life, like my whole life. And from that moment on, I decided to become a professional painter and I've never left painting since then. I've been painting since then. Wow. So, yeah. So it just happened and he just started painting like without ever painting before. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, okay, give me a context. Like, were you ever in art class when you were younger and were you drawing and you weren't drawing good? Or how, how were you before? Uh, I, I would used to draw a lot when I was a kid. Like when I was in kindergarten, like five, six-year-old, I would draw a lot. And after that, I would draw just occasionally. But I, I never, I have never, I had never tried oil painting or something like painting in general. And I spent many years like doing nothing. I, I got good grades on art in school, but it was something I really uh, wasn't like, um, though I was connected to art like in a good or bad way my whole life, you know, like I would see mm -hmm. art, etc. But yeah, yeah, like there was something. So it's possible you had some talent already, but it was, uh, it was enhanced maybe it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, it was like manifested. It was like, okay, now I'm going to follow my muse and I'm going to do this. But isn't it interesting that you were already subscribed to the painting class and then uh, the synchronicity of you praying for a miracle and then that happens, the claw comes out, the metaphorical uh -huh. claw, or whatever it was when you got goes out and or the energy attachment, whatever it was, but uh, you saw it as a claw and then you start painting and then you immediately feel like this is this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't subscribed before I asked for the miracle. It was okay. after. Oh, after. Okay, yeah, okay. So, yeah, it was pre all pretty quick. Like, for example, a Friday, I saw like an atelier, which is a painting place, open. And I said, okay, I'm going to subscribe. I sent some WhatsApp. I said, okay, I'm going to send you the money. I sent the money. I go and bought the materials and on Monday I was painting. It was pretty, yeah. <laughs> but, but like, can this- Just like that. Uh, did they recognize that? They were like, oh, you paint really good already or was it like, what happened? Yeah, yeah. Oh. In fact, I learned like very quickly. And after that, I changed from place because the place wasn't very integrous. Like they weren't they were drawing like pornographic pictures and stuff oh, like that I okay. and i was like okay i don't want to do this uh, i want to do art you know like with a um capital a and i changed place and then i went to another place and started painting like every day i subscribe i said hey can i paint every day and they say okay yeah it's this kind of money yeah okay i paid and yeah they start recognizing my my talent they would say oh wow you you paint really good etc like I, I remember even one of my first like uh, paintings was a study from Jose de Rivera, which is a Spanish painter from like 17th century. And everyone liked it. It was like, oh, wow. I thought this was like a painting of a master, etc. And wow. I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I remember like uh, the first years I, I painted a lot and draw a lot. And the thing is, uh, I, I couldn't do it that much because oil, oil painting, it's pretty, it just smudge everything. Like you get dirty on the clothes, it's all right. right. It's pretty hard. And it takes time, right? Probably takes a lot of time. Yeah, lots of time. And it takes time to dry, like the painting to dry. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. Right. So you were, um, you, you decided to go back to school at some point. Is that correct? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I decided to go to university again, like. That's my plan B, my B plan, like going to school. And now I'm on second year of psychology mm. and doing psychology. So I'm, I'm pretty happy about that too, because, you know, I, I like started doing it with a lot of intensity too. Right. You didn't want to go back to uh, doing medicine like before. I tried, but I, it, it, it was too many years between when I left and when I wanted to return. Okay. You say yeah, you have like, to start from the beginning, right? You'd have to start. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And you have to right. enter. And nowadays with the standards, it's pretty impossible. <laughs> like, 
because I, I got like bad grades from school because I was lazy mm. and you need like top grades to enter medical school right now, uh, uh, right now. But how did you manage to get in, into medical school when you were younger? Oh, I entered a school that uh, just asked for a good test because you do a test to enter oh. university and some of them ask you for grades and tests. Some ask just for tests and some ask like for a really great percentage of grades and small percentage of tests. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, uh, by the way, when, when did that experience with the painting at uh, that miracle in, in Peru, when did that happen? That was in 2016. 16 okay and you've been painting, and you've been painting ever since like uh, on and off yeah mostly on <laughs> okay because i i dedicated myself full time for like the first three years and it was pretty intense because i went to many ateliers i painted a lot and i draw a lot and um i read a lot about art like i would read hundreds and hundreds of books and hear podcasts etc like I really went into it, I like immersing myself. And also, I understand you. You also uh, seeing you on on a Skype group. You also read a lot. Um, <laughs> so uh, in the previous years, you read a lot of books. And how did that? Uh, is that mostly was centered to, towards psychology? Is that correct? Um. Well, this year, like last year, it was pretty centered on psychology. Yeah, yeah. I read many books on psychology. But um, over the years, I've read like lots of books um, about many subjects. And right now I'm, I'm mostly centered on the great books of the Western world, which Doug recommended, Dr. Hawkins. And I have read like lots of art books and lots of business books. I like business books and biographies of great people and mm. that kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah, the, those are like probably the best books you can read, like the great books and also the great people, their biographies that I think. Yeah, can, yeah. Um, so uh, what are some, I think I, I want to read more because like, I think you're an inspiration to me that because you've read so much that uh, um, I think it's possible if I, if I apply myself and read more because uh, I, I, I want to learn more. And obviously, I think uh, Hawking said that the, the basis for intellectual sophistication is to do the, to read, uh, to read the great books of the Western world. So uh, yeah. what, are, what are some of the things that surprised you when you were reading those books? Mm, I would say the subjects they treat, like for example, Plato treats justice, like the great ideas they treat like um, justice, um where does the inspiration of poets come from that kind of stuff then on the novels because i've read most of novels just the sheer amount of creativity they put into it like cervantes or i mean uh swift and stern lawrence stern the whole like lawrence stern books it's about um a spoiler alert here <laughs> small spoiler small spoiler okay the whole book it's about his biography but if you go through the book you can read 40 percent of it and he still wasn't born it's really like it's like man wow. who can do a book like a great book that he wasn't even born then and he speaks about the, his mother pregnancy etc and um on the mathematical side yeah, I've read like uh, some Euclid, you know, yeah. Euclid, yeah. Bit. and yeah, it's it's just like when Dr. Hawkins talked about this is the intellectual basis for um, Western society. Uh, I can feel it to be true, like this rationality uh, coming to the forefront, very like structured, um, really intelligent. Um, there's some philosophers there that I think it's Bacon that the guy is really structured like this word means this this word means that and that's it's really impressive yeah right and I love that name Francis Bacon is just a legendary name <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, hmm. 
By the way, did you read any um, uh, Thomas Sowell? Because uh, I know there's a video where uh, where Doc says that uh, he was his favorite, uh, I think, contemporary philosopher. Yeah, he was 480, Thomas Sowell. Yeah. Oh, I haven't yet. I haven't yet. He, I think he, I will. Thomas Sowell is amazing. But uh, I... Yeah. I'm biased because I'm I'm studying economics and I just love I just love uh, Thomas Sowell. Um, oh, yeah. So um, and uh, so in recent times, you told me, and this is another thing that surprised me, but it kind of makes sense because reading books uh, is um, time consuming. So you decided this year to do what? <laughs> I decided to read <laughs> as few books as I can. <laughs> because because i was I, well i want to dedicate more hours to work yeah to work as in uh painting mostly in painting yeah mainly. Right. yeah but uh as i understand it you're you're starting to um gather a pretty good following with painting and you know yeah i i see you posting pictures of paint you know your uh, paintings all the time and they're amazing I saw there Thank was a you. painting you made recently of Dr. Hawkins, and it was. Um, I'll, I'll try to put it in the description, but it was. Uh, it was quite. Uh, like it had a, it had a warm feeling to it. It was really nice, and uh, it was. I think it was better, in a way. It was better than the one that um, Scott Jeffries used in that uh, Doctor Truth book. Um, oh yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of that title, but that's another thing. I'm not. I won't go. <laughs> I, this is uh, another subject. Okay, so um, yeah. Wow. So you read uh, like in the past four years, how many books would you say you read? Um, in the f past four years. Yes, or past pa five, let's say. More or less, uh, in the past four years, four uh, hundred, four hundred books. Wow. Yeah, and these I are not like these are not short books. These are like really thick. Like these are like normal big books to, as well. Yeah, many of them are um, larger than one thousand pages. Yeah, no, I can read. <laughs> I've been dedicating myself to reading a lot. Like I could, I could read like the whole day. Sometimes. So uh, you would average uh, how many hours would you average reading? I would say between three and five yearly like every day every day wow that, yeah. that's uh, that's quite a commitment yeah 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 but the most intense period for me it's here in chile in january and february we have summer and in summer you have like vacations like holidays when you're a student and in that period i would read like 50 books and then read 50 more in the rest of the year but wow. january and february for me were like the moments where I woke up, started reading, ate, read, 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 sleep again, and do it all over, all over again for like two months. It was like kind of uh, just getting information. It was like your book camp, like your book camp yeah. was the summer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and there's so many great books you can read, still be very selective, and you won't get time to read all the books you want. It's impressive. Yeah. You know, I, I saw that uh, Harvard has a um, a collection of uh, their own version of the great books that they're selling yeah. on Amazon.com for two dollars, and it has yeah. like if you convert them to normal pages, is fifty thousand pages, and they're selling it for two dollars. Wow, it's amazing! Uh -huh. Like that, I wish I wish the um, uh, you know the Mortimer Adler great books were available on Kindle, but. Uh, I think yeah. a lot of people would prefer normal books. Like, uh, you know, do you prefer to read the, like, uh, like hard copy or do you prefer, do you like to also the Kindle version? Um, I, I prefer the, the hard copy, like physical copy. Physical. And according to one of my psychology professors, when you read a book um, in physical format, there is more neuronal engagement on it. Like you use more parts of your brain according wow. to him, than when you read from a screen, you know? And uh, I didn't knew that, I hope it's true, but uh, I felt more comfortable in paper because I can also um, just, um, how do you say, underline things and yeah. 
just yeah yeah you can manipulate it more right like in digital form you can uh, kind of underline but it's not the same i guess because you can because the notes you put are are not stored uh, at the same page they you have to go into it right yeah, um, yeah. but uh yeah okay that's interesting i would like to see if there is any studies comparing people that are reading on a digital device and comparing people that are reading on a book yeah i'd love to see that um okay so now we go to uh, towards painting so uh now you've mm -hmm. dedicated yourself this year to to paint more and uh as you do something more and more you you get better and b uh, it seems to me that you're getting more clients as well which is good yeah 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 in fact i'm getting like one order every day wow more or less yeah it's pretty good I wasn't expecting that much success, but uh, I, I was talking like in past November, November 2020, with a friend, Isidora, and he said, uh, she said, why don't you sell your paintings really cheap, like 20 bucks for the most cheap painting? And I said, okay, let's try. And I put a, a Facebook ad uh, on Instagram, and I put it like from the 23rd of November, till the 30th and I got so many responses like I want a painting I want a painting I want a painting I want a painting I did like 40 I think 40 paintings for Christmas wow. like it, it was really yeah it was really like wow it was like I, I worked every day on it and of, when I started painting uh, one thing I, I I said as a goal Doug would say in success is for you if you become something, then be the best the world has ever seen, you know? Like be really good at it. So manifest excellence. And my goal is to become a master, a great master of painting. So I think I have to put like 10,000 hours of deliberate practice, like actual painting on it. So I'm trying to do that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm striving to do my best. Uh, right. That's my goal, you know? That's yeah. an admirable goal. And uh, you seem Thanks. to be making good progress and uh i will share um i'll figure out a way to share uh, some of your paintings in the description so people can can look it up and see uh how your um paintings actually look like and um yeah um uh, what's the story about a lot of people a lot of women i found that like naked um uh, pictures and then paint sorry paintings of themselves <laughs> So do they, do, do, what happens then? Do, do they just send the, uh, do, do you instruct them a pose or they like, oh, I'm going to do my own pose and then you just paint that? Um, that's fun because I'm not pushy at all. Like I try not to push it, but uh, most of the women's I've worked for, for, uh, for, they send me the pictures already. I don't instruct the pose. I don't instruct anything. They say, yeah, I've got these pictures. Uh, can you use them? And I'm like, okay, let's see. I see the pictures and if I like them, uh, I use them. I found out that most of the girls that want to be painted naked have already like taken naked pictures in the past. Like they like to to appear naked on, on visual media, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, some of them have come through Tinder other to Instagram, so it's pretty fun. Wait, to Tinder? Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you advertise on Tinder? Do you, are you like, I'm a painter, and then they're like, oh, I'll hit you up, and uh, they're like, oh, I want I want the painting. Can you do a painting for me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> wow. so like, so can I be your muse? And I was, okay, let's do it. And we did it. Yeah, it was pretty fun. But also, this is a business as well. So you're making. Um, I, did you make? Uh, did you make? By the way, I think with Tinder, I'm not on Tinder anymore. But I think you can make a like a worldwide profile, and you can change locations in the world. Yeah. So you can go like uh, one week. You can be in Los Angeles, and you can get all these different offers from from people from Los Angeles and then another you can be in London, England. Uh, so yeah. you can do that as well. Yeah. Well, I've got a confession to make. Uh, okay. I'm really a Russian women addict. 
<laughs> like, like I, I buy like Tinder Plus or like the paid version of Tinder. And I yes. always, always, always end up in St. Petersburg, like matching with girls from there. And uh, that's where I've got many of the women that I've painted. And um, I also like say to them, I would love to paint you. And do you want to? And they say, okay. But I don't know why, but I, I love Russian women. I, I love to talk to them. And it's just like a quirk. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've met some of them. And uh, I think for, with Russians, there's definitely a difference between the, the previous generation and the newest generation because the, the, the old generation was born in the Soviet Union and uh, people uh, were quite hard. And because of the, the system was bad and that makes kind of people more corrupt. But now the new generation, I think it's quite different, quite different. And it's quite uh it's getting quite better um although uh have you uh there, there's a, i think there's a harry coffer quote where he says that if a, if a culture is communist it will take several generations before it becomes n normal uh, <laughs> oh, by the way oh i was gonna ask as well good that i remember uh so a lot of people criticize Milton Friedman because this is now we're getting a bit of economics. Uh, yeah. uh, criticizing Friedman because he supported, I think, uh, was it Pinochet? The, yeah. uh, the, the kind of dictator that supported uh, some of the uh, like free economics, basically. Yeah. So yeah, what, absolutely. What kind of uh, like record does he have? Like, uh, do people see Pinochet as mostly good, or how how is he seen in Chile? Well, that's that's a very interesting subject because, um, well, Pinochet was a dictator, and he's seen as such uh, here in Chile. Like, of he has his supporters, like people who supports him, like unconditionally. But most people see him like as, um, you know, as a, as a dictator, like a bad guy. But in his government, uh, which lasted like 18 years, there was a group of economists that went to Chicago to study with Milton Friedman. Right. And they were the first ones to implement uh, capitalism in, in Chile, in, in Latin America. They were the first one in Latin America. And this is the power of really great ideas like capitalism. I'm a huge supporter of capitalism and free enterprise, neoliberalism, because it just, there isn't any better way to do, um, to create wealth, at least that I know of. Right. And these guys implemented it. And 20 years after, Chile had the best economy of Latin America. Like we were leading the economy here in Latin America. And the left then uh, came to power and some of them supported like the, the capitalist idea. Some of them tried to destroy it. But uh, it's funny that um, Milton Friedman really wasn't a, a supporter, I think, of the, the dictatorship. I think he was a supporter of the economic position they took. Uh, the position Because this is weird, but Chile has is the first country that elected a communist by democracy. Like they voted <laughs> for a communist and the guy destroyed the country so much that after three years, people were begging uh, for the military to take over. And the military did it. They, they attacked like the palace, the government palace. They bombarded it. And after that, the military took the power. And that's how Pinochet got in basically. Is that exactly great? yeah wow yeah. i did not know that so but then uh before pinochet got in uh the uh the economics in um when chile was uh was it like average was it like average of uh... well after like uh, after allende allende it's the communist president the first one in, in chile of communism the economy was so bad that people had to do huge huge just lines to get a bit of food it was like Venezuela right now. Hmm. The same thing. If you apply communist, it doesn't matter where, you get the same results over and over. Famine, um, poor, 
poor people, like uh, bad behaviors. You get all the bad stuff because that's the essence of it. Bad. Yeah. It's bad, you know? And, and so, uh, uh, so since Pinochet, uh, Chile has been number one in Latin America and it's been ever since, like, is it still number one? No, it isn't because they changed many things and uh, the it isn't number one right now, but uh, it's still pretty good. Like, for example, when people left Venezuela, uh, most of them came to Chile, like a huge number of them, because it's a free country and we have good laws and we have like a good economy. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Um, I, but we have, we're in trouble right now. We're in trouble because... Yeah there's going to be a change in the constitution soon and all constitutions supported neoliberalism like capitalism a lot because it was written in Pinochet time. There's some bad things on it, but there's some very good things on it. But the thing is uh, the people that were process, protesting for a new constitution, they say they want like Chile to be the, the thumb. I, I don't know how to call it, uh, where you bury people like the the, uh, grave, the grave, the grave, graveyard. Yeah. They want to be the graveyard of capitalism. What? So yeah, yeah. So I, I, I feel a lot like, okay. So left ideas, right wing ideas. Okay, of course they have consequences, but killing the economy, like that would bring just like poorness, you know. What do you think in your uh, time of reading and all that? How do you understand the 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 behavior of some of these? They really convinced that because I think it's like uh, when uh, Dr. Hawking's paraphrases Socrates is uh, people choose to, uh, to do what they think is good, but they just don't know what the real good is. Yeah. So Absolutely. I, I have no other way to explain why these people do it because I, the way I see it and the way you see it is that this is not going to have good consequences. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just, Absolutely. Exactly. I, there isn't like going to be, I, I don't think, because the new, the, the old constitution, which is from the 80s, was written by a, a, a lawyer who was an expert on the subject. And this new constitution is going to be written by politician and people with zero expertise on, constitu on writing constitutions. So it just, it spells disaster for me. Like, but don't, guys, you, don't you need a lot of votes? Don't you need a lot of votes to change the constitution? Yeah, in fact, there was a, uh, uh, a ballot, like uh, there was a vote and you could vote in favor or against the change of constitution and in favor won by 80% of the votes. Wait, wait, are you saying that they won in favor but they hadn't even written the constitution yet? The new one? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they just want to change it, but the good thing is, um, oh and gosh. I think that's their thought, they're going to write the new constitution and there's going to be another votation uh, if you approve it or not. And if oh. you don't approve it, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's not so like they're going to write it then. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. So at least it's not that bad. Okay, so. Yeah, yeah. But are they going to write one version or many versions? I think one version, yeah. Okay, but that's... Um, Hopefully the, the people will do their thing. And if it's bad, which it likely will be, then they will reject it. Um, yeah, I hope so. I hope, but, I even hope um, if they write it to be good, you know, there's going to be a lot of people involved in writing it, but I, I don't think it's going to be better than the old one. Hmm. Being honest. Yeah, I, it doesn't seem like it's going to be better. Um, yeah. So, um, I want to finish on a more positive subject. I, I was I was wondering what um, what the relative size of your painting was. Was it like uh, uh, does it depend oh. on the uh, what the client wants? Yeah, exactly. I, I offered like five different sizes. They go from like ten by twelve inches to twenty by thirty. I think something like that. Do you have any uh, a bit less. nearby? Excuse me? Do you have any nearby? That you can sure, see? I'm making one. Do you want to see it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> oh, wow, look at that. Whoa. 
So this wow. one is a um, process of being made, but it's like, um, that's the dress. This is the biggest size I make. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing this one. I'm also doing like this one. This one is a special petition from the client with a psychedelic background, you know? <laughs> <laughs> really nice. Really nice. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm in the process of making this. I hope I finish them by today. Cool. And how do you, um, how do you ship them so they don't get um, uh, any uh, damage on them? Oh, yeah. I ship them in a two, like folded. And the smaller ones, I put them on big envelopes with uh, cardboard. Mm. Uh, so they always get their safe. I have never sent one in a two because I've never sent one big uh, out of town. But this will be the first time I'm sending to another region of the country. And um, I bought some really hard PVC tubes, like mm -hmm. from a polymer. So I think that they will they will get their good in good condition. Yeah. The only thing you have to iron them after you take them out right. because they get like this, the form of the tube. Like with the normal iron, you have to just uh, yeah yeah just 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 quickly out. just quickly right yeah and not directly you put something in between you know oh yeah to okay. not burn it. I thought yeah, yeah. directly. Okay. <laughs> That's risky business. <laughs> risky business indeed. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, let me see. Okay. Uh, I want to end on uh, Dr. Hawkins. Like if somebody is just discovering Dr. Hawkins, what would you recommend? Um, would be uh, they start reading or watching? What was the, oh, the basis? Yeah. I would say, um, you know, the, the new book, the rainbow book, the book that's called The Map of Consciousness Explained, it's a primer of dog words for beginners. It's specially designed for beginners. Mm. So I will read that first. And then I would definitely read Letting Go or Successes for You, definitely. Successes for I, You? Wow, I'm surprised. Okay, that order, Successes for You. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I, what do you say? Because some people uh, are um, don't like uh, uh, successes for you because they're like, oh, it's written from a... Because he's kind of critical of the, let's say, of really bad restaurants and stuff like that. So some people yeah. are turned off. But you're recommending <laughs> it. You're recommending it. Yeah, I think it's one of his best books. And I say that because the subject of success, it, it has just a huge number of books written about it. And this book is so simple and so much common sense. Like he said stuff like, I want you to throw all your success books and start being friendly. Like <laughs> just be friendly and open-minded, friendly and open-minded. And I find his criticism of restaurants so good, so on point. Like the truth is the truth. If a restaurant is bad, you, you don't want to get there again. You know, I don't want to uh, get, do, do my business in places where I get badly treated, you know? It's so much common sense. And uh, I think um, that's some, those two are letting go and success for you are some really good works to get into dog works because the other books are more dances, enlightenment oriented, you know? Mm. Like when you read Power Versus Force, okay, it's pretty spiritual oriented, but still worldly. Then Truth Versus Falsehood, it's pretty worldly oriented. But if you get into the eye of the eye or the eye, that's just like the the dance stuff. Like right. it didn't have a caveat emptor, I think. Right? Like if you're not truly committed, don't read this, etc. I think I think so. I think uh, if you want to get like really a spiritual, like enlightenment, uh, like a stuff that he talks about, I think the, um, if you have the money to afford the lectures, I think definitely the 2002 lecture series. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I think I'm reminded when you're talking about success book, there, there's um, somewhere in the 2002 lecture series, he talks about the uh, DMV, which is the uh, driver's uh, thing, uh, the, um, the government body that deals with giving you a license and license plates and all that, um, mm -hmm. driver's license. Oh, yes. Um, and also the IRS. Uh, I think he says 
because people are so friendly there and and they, he's like well there's a huge you know government bureaucracy so and then somebody's really unfriendly but you can't fire them because i'm doing my job and you can fire me because i'm doing my job <laughs> and it sounds like uh it sounds like restaurants that are bad are basically behaving almost like a dmv and being just like strictly like robots and just like not have not put any soul into it, not putting any care of the customer. And that's what you're saying that that's what the success book is really good at, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, in fact, I think it's called heart, heart, heart center principles yeah. for success. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hearts and Prince. Because uh, I remember back in the day, they had uh, when you used to call the theater to have the. Now, this is, shows how old the book is, but uh, the theater would, would uh, give you a reading of what, what, uh, um, what they were playing. And it was only shortly at the end, but it was it, all the rest of the information was not what the customer needed. So the things like that, that were not customer oriented, that were just like convenience for the people that made them. Um, and it sounds to me like your, your business of uh, painting is trying to be more... Um, Definitely your posts are, are funny because people are, are commenting on mm -hmm. the posts and there's great, like people generally enjoy it and you, you, you're also obviously doing it out of joy. So it's, it's a great thing. And uh, I hope, uh -huh. I hope out of this podcast that you get some more uh, clients and that you're successful in your ventures. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. It's been a great joy and uh, I wish you much success. Thank you. It was a pleasure for me. Much success for you too. Thank you. And uh, thank you everybody for listening or watching. Thank you.